Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Songless. My name is Richard Villegas, and woo, I get to do an episode in English today. Ow, ow, ow. Uh, right now, we're listening to song uh, to two songs actually. Uh, one is Una Rosa, and the second is Ay Hombre. These are both by Senia Rubinos off her album Una Rosa. So we're gonna let that play out, and we'll be right back with a very, very special guest.
right? And we're back and there she is. There <laughs> she is. <laughs> I'm joined by Senia Ruinos from New York City. What it is, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, oh, I'm so excited to have you here. We've been we've been sort of like flirting about this about this interview on Twitter for like over a year, I think, at this point. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, you actually, fun fact, you were maybe the first act or performer that I ever got to see in terms of this whole like Latin indie wave that I've been like on now for close to a decade. I saw you at LAMC in 2012 when you, uh, I think you opened that show, uh, uh, who was it, Jepe, Alex Ambanter, maybe Santa Cecilia, yeah. That, that is was... exactly, that is exactly <laughs> a lineup. Okay, maybe, okay, you got it. I was wow. there, Pani wow. Cafe, Pani Cafe was on my playlist for a couple of years, yeah. Wow. What <laughs> so, a yeah. moment, what a moment. So wow. welcome to the show, I mean, I, I, I'm thrilled to have you here, but let's, let's say for the two people at home who don't know who you are. Who are you and what is it that you do? Well, that's very kind. I, I, there's more, a lot more than two people who don't know <laughs> who I am. We talk about you a lot on this show, eh? <laughs> they better that's know. Very, that's very sweet. Um, I'm Sanya Rubinos. I'm a Cuban and Puerto Rican artist. I uh, write songs. I compose music and produce. And um, I have three full-length albums out and a string of collaborations and other uh, music projects that I like to have fun doing. I'm based in New York. Yeah. Y me gusta el bembe. Me gusta hey. la salsa. Me gusta todo. <laughs> I like <laughs> Well, and if anybody's heard uh, Una Rosa, they know that to be true because so much of so much of these uh, Caribbean influences are are all over the record. And I'm really excited to like start digging in. And yeah, like, I mean, I, so uh, Una Rosa was really interesting because I, I really liked your first two albums, especially Black Terry Cat. I really, really liked it. Um, but you've kind of carved a more jazzy, neo-soul sort of, uh, you know, path for yourself. And then this album just kind of not only double down on the, all the Caribeña, like, you know, influences, but like, it's really quirky and strange and kind of funny and just like you know and also really heavy <laughs> you know? um i uh, how, what is your approach to music how do you visualize music well it's different every time i mean to me it's a it's a very spiritual practice and it's about just kind of tapping in and going in and honestly if i could quit music I would because really <laughs> like logistically speaking financially speaking I would you know it's like really there is no way that I could not make music it's just I have to do it and then it's mm. you know the logistics around it it's like how do you share it how do you want to do it but for me music is just it really is a spiritual practice so that's how I see it that's how I approach it it's like something that I have to do to be healthy and to just exist um but on this planet you know so that's how I really see it I me. think that's a that's a really healthy way of seeing it, though, because it means that you don't have to rush it. You don't have to be dropping a single every, you know, two weeks to stay on the playlists or whatever. Like, it's just like, you know, I, I feel like I mean, I understand that there are ways of navigating the industry and getting your stuff heard and getting your stuff, in, you know, in people's ears and eyes. But like at the end of the day, also, like as an artist, you have to 
do that at your own pace and like it needs to feel right and i mean i i recently started a you know a crappy little band but like it you know so it's like i'm now i now have to eat shit on the other side of the industry um and um yeah it's like it's just like if it's not ready it's not ready child and you know and and i i get it you know mm-hmm. um, it takes time i think good things take time and you're right i think you know in terms of like release schedules and stuff like that it just depends on what your ambitions are honestly you know and even then everyone is different it's I think anyone who says like this is how you do it and this is the ABCD like all the steps they're lying there are that doesn't exist I mean obviously there are common you know common practice things that are a good idea but there's a lot of exceptions honestly so but you asked me about making music I think you know it's it's a spiritual practice for me I'm following always what makes me curious so in Black Terry Cat that album you mentioned uh, my previous record is it was really influenced by sampling and hip-hop and soul mm-hmm. music I was listening to a lot of uh Badu when I was on tour with Magic Tricks my first album and like you know that was kind of the soundtrack of my like comfort you know it was yeah. just like trying to listen to a sister girl in all of these like indie rock venues with all like dudes basically with all white dudes so I was like <laughs> I was like countering that in my musical palette and then uh you know I grew up listening to all kinds of different music, um, including jazz. And so in that album, I was kind of digging into what it was like to sample some of those influences and bring them forward. I was playing bass more. Um, Mm -hmm. I wrote most of the record on bass. uh, And then on La Rosa, you know, I was, I had been in this years long search for uh, this music that I could visualize in my head that, but I couldn't find that I really wanted to make, which was kind of what ended up being Una Rosa, the theme um, that we just heard. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, I I kept imagining like, what if in the seventies, like Cubans played synth music, but they played like like classical music mixed with like rumba and like traditional rhythms. And I was like, (laughs) what if there was a record like that? And then, but I I was obsessed with it. Um, And so I just went down a rabbit hole with a lot of things, including this documentary, this really obscure documentary that I found about Cuban ballet that had yeah. a little sample of music in it. It's called like Las Cuatro Joyas del Ballet Cubano. And I started and I heard this piece of music and I was like, what is that? And it was basically synthesizers playing like something that sounded like classical music, but with clave. And I was like, what? And I tried to find the composer of the the of the music and mm. I like couldn't find a super obscure guy I found like a Facebook page I tried to message him viejito that was like somewhere in Miami but I could never answer me I went to La Habana to the archive of the ballet to try to find that music and they were like it's lost like we had to we just reperformed this ballet we had to figure it out and make a different score and make a different thing so I never found it um but that kind of that was I guess that's part of my approach is like I, I get onto some tip you know and yeah. that, when that starts to happen when I get onto some tip I start to get kind of I don't know obsessed about something or just something that I find something that really makes me curious and turns me on I like follow it yeah. for as long as it as it takes me to find what's happening it's you know like a little puzzle that's coming together I um, you know I I uh, Una Rosa is the 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 song that I listen to the most off well, Una Rosa. Um, I don't want to say it's my favorite because again, you're such a powerful songwriter. I feel that if, you know, saying that an instrumental is the is the best or my favorite might might be. I love you know, it. I, I but it. it really resonates with me, and I even like 
I, I, I had uh, the opportunity to review briefly the album for Rolling Stone. Um, and like, I kind of described the synths as like sounding like they were from like Italian horror, like, Ooh. um, like, uh, like very Suspiria, very like this sort of like moog type of like very full synths, but they were kind of creepy and dramatic. And like, um, I, I, as I read a lot about this record, I mean, like the influences were fascinating, um, because you were talking about, um, drag queens, uh, Rita Indiana, a glass lamp uh, that your abuelita had. Um, I, I mean, I find it fascinating because I'm a maximalist. Uh, anybody who like follows me on Instagram knows like, I like to dress up. I like to do absolutely the most. I don't, I don't love editing. I'm like, we're putting all of it in there. Um, <laughs> but when you're creating a record that could be very tricky. So what was your let's say editing process, like be like, you know, I have all these influences. How do I make it work without uh, it just feeling like a pinata? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it, I think it's a dense, you know, I think it is a dense record. I think it has a lot of layers to it, but mm -hmm. I do, I do love, I like to think, I don't know if, I guess, yeah, you, you could be the judge or the listeners could be the judge of this is like, I like to think that despite the, the musical references, like, being disparate and having a lot of you know or visual references or thematic references being a lot I feel like my musical choices are pretty minimal I'm like mm. I'm a fan of minimalism and music and a palette and choosing like very few things and trying to cut out anything unnecessary um usually the, the one who's like in a production process who's like does that need to be there like do we really need a synth that does that like for me it was like every song could be just like the voice and the beat and that's Fair. it like I'm very I'm very minimalist in that sense I'm very much like I'm always like does that need to be there why does not I'm not really mu much in the sense of like we need to layer all of this stuff and it's usually my collaborators who's like no let's try this no but a poquito but oh no but and I'm like oh okay so <laughs> to me it's you know I think that my inspiration on the back end can be very ma maximalist like you said like nothing is too much and kind of throwing everything in there um, but on the front end of like really the, what you hear, I like to keep things pretty minimal. And sure. the editing process, I think in this in this record was pretty ruthless in that I was really sticking to more songs. I was really trying, I mean, in my way, anyway, like my most like pop, <laughs> like, you know, sense of like, oh, it's a banger. Like, and they're like, this is really weird. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but to me, I was really leading into that. Like I was really leading into the verse chorus, you know, mm. like what's the bridge, what's the hook, what's the thing? Like I was really leaning into that form and that was really helpful to say, okay, we're gonna, yeah, I could go out and do this other thing, but I'm gonna keep this short and see like, you know, how much we can accomplish in these three minutes. You know? Absolutely. Like, where we could take this. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, we're gonna, we, you know, we have a lot of playlists to get through the dear listeners. And I think we, we pretty much encompassed Una Rosa, which was uh, the first song that we heard. And then like the, the companion piece, Ay Hombre, I really want to talk about that song because again, like if, if Una Rosa has my favorite music on the album, I think Ay Hombre has maybe my favorite vocal performance on the mm -hmm. album because it is, very dramatic. It feels like the theme song to a, te a Televisa telenovela that never aired. Like it's just like I, I, uh, it's. I mean, it's dramatic. It. I, I didn't. Weren't you having a drag queen uh, mm -hmm. performed? <laughs> performed. I, you got to tell us about mm -hmm. Ay Hombre. Yeah. So Ay Hombre was kind of my my tribute to the classic 
Córtate las venas, boleros, that my abuela would, you know, sing when I was a kid or listen to. And I really started with that first section, which kind of sounds more like a Kanye sample or something. I thought it was going to mm -hmm. be like kind of a straight up R&B song. And then uh, my co-producer Marco and I started messing around. I was just like kind of covering Lupe, La Lupe. I was like thinking about making it a cover and doing just a cover of a Lupe song, but with synthesizers. And so I was doing that and I was like, no. And then I owned it came out. I was like, I think I should just write my own, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just grabbed this progression that I, this chord progression that I had and started kind of riffing and watching a ton of like these old musical movies with like Lucha Villa, where she's out there like singing, you know, outside of the prison to like <laughs> her love or whatever. And just like watching what she did and, you know, and, and really painstakingly thinking about this, like, woman scorned, you know, and the diva, like la diva. And to me, the ultimate diva is drag. So mm -hmm. drag, drag is diva. So I was, I was thinking a lot about how oftentimes as a vocalist, like when I'm looking at these larger than life divas, like Beyonce or like Lady Gaga or like whatever, Adele, I'm always like looking at them and there's something very drag. There's something super drag. There's something very like turned up about this persona. And then I was like, yo, this is, there's something in here and I really want to <laughs> play with this and you know playing with the gender roles of like what is the, the masculine and what is the feminine and like what is this character that's everything you know to me the the, the diva is everything it's all sure of the things um so playing with that you know I had a, a release like a private re release party um last fall and I had a a Puerto Rican drag queen Benacada come and perform um, okay. so we dressed we dressed the same so um, she greeted everyone as me um, and stood with Marco, uh, my partner and producer, and like, hey, thanks for coming to my party. And and then, you know, introduced the record and was like, I can't wait for you to hear my record and da, 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 and then came out and surprised everybody and like did a whole lip singing to Ay Hombre. Um, yeah, and it was so fab, so, so fab. And then I came out at the end. Work. No, I mean, that's that's so good. And like, again, I think all these stories that, you know, that, that you're sort of telling and unpacking kind of really helps uh, world build uh, Una Rosa. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to get into some, some of the playlists that we got going on. Um, I want to listen to a song by Turbo Sonidero. Uh, it's called Sonríe Llora. And this is from an album called uh, Lowrider Cumbias. Because um, I don't remember if you have a cumbia on, on Una Rosa, but like, it feels like, this would could work within the you know the collage of influences tell, tell us about the, this song i love this song i'm obsessed with this album okay i randomly found it through a friend my friends como chimbita who mm. posted about it and i was like um, their post was like y'all are listening to rosalia thinking that that's like the most cutting edge because you don't know about this and i was like what okay i felt personally attacked i was like okay um, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> i was like oops that's me being basic what? um but <laughs> hey we all try we all do our best shit I was like I'm here being basic listening to multi mommy being like oh my god this is so innovative and fresh um and they're like check this out and I'm like whoa um <laughs> so <laughs> so that was that's how I found out about them and I am obsessed with this record I love the way that they're mixing like these old kind of Motown vibe feeling okay. samples with cumbia you know and i think that it's super fresh i feel like it's like if dilla made a cumbia record you know Work. is my okay. is my feeling about this amazing about this album i love it 
Well, let's go ahead and listen to this. Uh, uh, I believe Turbo Sonidero is from the Bay Area, so we're going to listen to that now. Uh, The song is called Sonríe Llora. This is from the album Lowrider Cumbias, and we'll be right back with more Senia Rubinos. Smile now, cry later.
All right, and we're back. And then the second song that we just heard there is also by our guest, Senia Rubinos. It's called Si Llego. Um, and obviously this is from Una Rosa. Um, I was surprised to see this song on the on the record because there, there are these very, uh, these many singles that like got a lot of buzz. And this one, I think is, I, I don't think it has been released as a single, but it, re, it reminded me a lot of like the older uh, work that you've done. Again, Magic Tricks, uh, Black Terror Cat, because it has that soulful vibe. It feels like the first half of the album is really cathartic. And then this comes more towards the end where it's like, we're finding peace. We're just sort of doing our thing. Um, there's the one about my voice that I think is also such a beautiful sort of like, it just, it feels like the cool down uh, of Una Rosa. Tell us about Si Llego. Si Llego uh, was kind of my little tribute to a kind of sexy dembo type of jam, you okay. know, and kind of like the narrative is very like, it's it's giving, I'm having an affair, it's giving like I have a crush, it's giving <laughs> I'm la mas mala de la fiesta, um, and it has these vocals that are kind of, the vocal line is kind of choppy, it's fitting in a lot and then there's kind of this like auto-tune hook that's chilling I, I i feel it like a summer jam i feel it like a sure. chill like or a summer jam or it could be cuffing season like okay chill jam I, I feel it like a very chill jam and um it has a it has like this long instrumental intro that i love that's just like very relaxed i feel like the album uh it, you know it has two sides that the side a is a red side which is like the, it's kind of more high intensity there's a lot mm -hmm. going on it's super like in your face aggressive and the b side which Diego is on is kind of the blue side it's cool it's cooling down it's more introspective um and so yeah this song i just it feels like just really chill and like watery and sexy and i had fun making it and i was really inspired by um ken manduran actually and a track um from one of his albums uh that where he where he basically flips a sample of osuna okay and he kind of he's pitch he pitches osuna's vocals up and harmonizes them and i was like ooh, i want to do a vocal like that so this vocal the verses on ciego are are kind of influenced by that uh that track in particular which i'm blanking on the name of but it's, <laughs> it's an, osuna, an osuna sample and it's like i didn't know the 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 original song like that he was sampling from but uh i just i just love um that close vocal like those harmonies mm -hmm. that kind of skate together and have this harmony that's super close and it's very like un poquito cunty and un poquito like uh -huh. for better lack of a word it's kind of <laughs> attitude. but you know what that that's very descriptive yes <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. i wish when i was writing i could just be like you know it, it's giving it's very like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh let's let's turn back the clock. How did you start making music? Did you study music or is it was it just at home and you were curious what what was what's your origin story? Ooh, my superhero origin story mm -hmm. is that I was born in Hartford, Connecticut to Cuban and Puerto Rican parents. Nobody in my family is a musician, um, but they love music. We listened, to, you know, I grew up listening to music from a very young age. My dad was a classical music fan okay. and he had wanted to be a pianist as a child, like he, but he never got the chance to study or 
to do it. So I think he was hoping that I would become like a classical opera singer or a classical pianist or something. Mm. So as soon as he saw that I was mildly interested, he was like, let's go, vamanos, like flute lesson, like piano lessons. And I was like, I'm four, I can't do this. You know, like I'm not, into it. I just want to, I was like, I just want to sing Mariah Carey and like, Fair. you know, I want to just do all the runs and do the thing. So that was, you know, I was mostly just trying to sing and do my thing. And then, you know, I started kind of writing songs on my own. I had a karaoke machine where I would like have the two tape decks, two cassette tapes, and I would flip them back and forth. And like, that's okay. how I wrote my songs. Like I, hey. I would like layer the vocal and layer a beat, like play it on the table or something. And then like add the thing. And I just found, <laughs> I just found these cassette tapes actually recently. And they're amazing. They're I crazy. hope you use them <laughs> in, a, in, a, in something. I mean, that's like a dope sample waiting to happen. They are, you are wild. They are super wild. Um, so yeah, that's how I started making music. And then, uh, you know, going to college was like not something that I could not do as mm. the child of, you know, immigrants and people who are just like, let's go first generation, vamonos. So they were like, you got to go to, you know, university, we're doing this. And I was like, can I go to music school though? Because really I just wanted to go, sure. I just wanted to move to New York and just be in bands and just be learn, an artist. You know? Yeah. Exactly. I was like, I just want to go meet people that do this and figure this out, what this is. But I went to school. Um, I, at that time, went, thought I was going to be a jazz singer. Went there, got there and was like, I know. Mm. I didn't like the scene. It, they were, it was very machista. It was very, I don't know. They treated the, the vocalists like they didn't know anything. They were very much removed from the music making process. And I was like, yo, I want to know what this is about. Like, I want to know what how do you make this world you know and at that point I was writing songs but it was very you know I didn't have I didn't have the knowledge to really back it up it was very like instinctual you know um so I, I studied jazz composition I learned how to write for big band orchestras wow. stuff that I didn't end up doing right like I ended up after after school moving to New York and I did write instrumental music for a while and I had like my little seven piece group and this and that but it was really difficult in New York, like to get all the people together to learn the music and like rehearse it the way I wanted to. And, you know, a lot of times my, my music was in odd meters and I was just mixing a lot of stuff and it wasn't brainy. I could sing it all to you. Like it was just like, I was feeling all these rhythms and all this thing. And it was just super frustrating not to get like my music played exactly how I wanted it, you know? Sure. And then I started just like looping my voice. I like, it was that, it was the early 2000s. It was like the indie rock explosion. Like it was, mm -hmm. Toon, it was Toon Yards moment. It was St. Vincent moment. And I was like, I'm the Puerto Rican Toon Yards on St. Vincent, let's go. Like, <laughs> um, so <laughs> that really accelerated my music making when I started looping my voice and playing keyboard. Um, and that, led to me making my first album magic tricks and yeah. um that lamc performance that you saw was like just around that time uh of just me kind of getting started you know writing songs and kind of taking myself more seriously i guess as a songwriter sure. and feeling and feeling empowered like being out of that academic world of like you don't know like you're not you don't have the chops like you're not good enough to play this this and that and i was kind of like you know what i just need to play my music so mm -hmm. i'm gonna just find a way to do it um and Be before yeah. before we carry on with because again like you have a, quite a long trajectory uh new york lamc right so like you uh there was a moment there uh i i feel like now it's a much more diverse the scene has always been diverse in new york obviously but like in how it's covered 
it's always been a bunch of like white boys in Brooklyn. Um, and so like when it came to like Latin music, Latin indie, Latin alternative, whatever labels that are now very outdated, honestly, um, it, it used to be like five of you. Like it was like, it was you, it was El Lado Negro, it was El Amaynev, so it was Buscabulla and maybe somebody else, you know, who would like, like Nick Hakim, there was a minute that they tried to brand him very like, mm -hmm. Latino, Latino, and it's like, Lido. Lido. But, but Lido, but Lido was never in New York, was she? She wasn't in New York, but I associate yeah. her as, as part of that scene. Sure. Coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like in the New York scene, it was like five or six acts, And then it was just like, you know, it was just like, okay, like, you know, and it would rotate. But it, at the, the end of the day, it was also really cool because you guys built this really cool network. Like, it's just like everybody collaborating with everybody, everybody doing remixes for everybody. I wonder, uh, I'd like to know a little bit about that time. Because again, I feel like now it's just it, like identity is really at the forefront of a lot of uh, art and, and marketing, sadly. Um, but, uh, So yeah, so just basically like, I want to know how you felt. Like, it's just like, uh, sometimes artists like to leave that out. Uh, like mm -hmm. I, because uh, it, it can be tokenizing. Um, I wonder what your experience was navigating these sort of, comp back in the day before like people were talking so much about identity. What was it at the beginning like, just sort of like, was, you know like am I feeling respected am I feeling valued am I just mm -hmm. sort of like like what was that experience like it was lonely to be honest it was mm. really lonely and it was it felt isolating um and it felt also like a little bit gaslighty Ooh. like I felt like am I making this up am I like is this you know because I'm like I got the opportunity on my first record to play KEXP Okay. And I remember I was working with uh, this small label in Brooklyn called Bada Bing Records, who li I licensed my first record to, and they re-released it kind of like officially. And that was my first official, like, hello into the industry vibe. Um, and so, and Ana Luz Vizarretea, uh, who's a dear friend of mine, was working at the label, um, incredible like music person from, mm -hmm. Me from Mexico. And so she was like, I was like, oh, a Latina at a, like in an indie label in Brooklyn. Da, da, da. So she was like working, like working. Like, we were all like really, I was like, I have a dream. I'm going to do this. You know, so <laughs> I was really ambitious. I was super ambitious. And I was like, I want to play Tiny Desk. I want to play the KXP. I want to be in all mm -hmm. of the places. I want to be on the cover of Pitchfork. I want to be the, in Brooklyn Vegan. I want to be in all the places that all of my, my heroes and sheroes are. And then she was like, oh, you're playing the Latin program on KXP, El Sonido. And at that point, I didn't even know what that was. You know, I had seen like Cheryl Waters or whatever, and I didn't know, right? So I was livid. When I tell you, like, I wrote this long email, and then I thought I didn't send it, but I accidentally hit send. Um, and <laughs> I was just like, this is outrageous, and I should, why am I not in the same program as everybody else? I oh. sing in English and, and in Spanish, and this is, my music is not Latin music my music is something else and I'm not playing, you know, whatever. So I was I was like livid. When I showed up to KXP, I met DJ Chili and I was like, who is this? Like, da -da -da -da. and it turns out like <laughs> he's very great. quickly, yeah. very yeah. quickly, like <laughs> took me down several notches. And I was like, oh, he's actually, I was like, oh, he's actually really great. Yeah. Um, and knows what's up. And like, actually I need to learn from him. Um, So, and then I, I was like, so honored to be in that space, you know, yeah. but again, it was like, I was coming from a very defensive mode of constantly being like, oh yeah, you can play this festival. We're going to put you on the Chiquita Banana, like Saturday Salsa Super Sábado Gigante Night. And I was yeah. like, why? <laughs> no, like, you know what I mean? And at that moment, 
there was no there was no remesla like there remesla yeah. used to be a website that would um it was a concert listing website yeah like it didn't have you know any editorial i went to the opening party of like remesla music it was like the first you know wow. that like there was nothing there there was there was some stuff there was um, now i'm blanking cluphonograma there was cluphonograma i met a writer who was so great when i went to chicago blanca who would write for Oh my God! She Blanca. she she um reviewed my first EP before Magic Tricks, which is luckily not out anywhere. Ah! Um, but she <laughs> she reviewed that, and so there were people. Then I remember discovering Roberto's work, Alado Negro, because I was on the hunt for a booking agent, and I was like, okay, Windish. Like I was like, Windish agency is like the biggest agency, and they book all my favorite artists. I want to be on there. And then I was like looking for anybody who looked like me. And I was like, okay, who's this dude with the fro? Mm -hmm. Like, ¿Quién es este? Vamos a escuchar, ¿no? Describe emails, describe emails a su agente. Like, I was like, yo, like, let's go. But it was, it, I found Lido. Yeah. Um, through Club Phonograma, Ella Minus, um, Salt Cathedral in New York. Also, we played a show together. Um, Buscabulla, Ana Luz was like, oh, you should play with Buscabulla. Didn't end up, we never ended up playing a show together. But it was a very isolating time and I was very, I was feeling very defensive. I was on the defensive a lot and I had a vision for what it could be. You know, I was yeah. like, this is bullshit. I'm like, you're telling me that like this audience doesn't exist or that like the Latin audience only listens to like salsa and like what, like whatever world music thing you're going to put me into. Yeah. I'm like, this is not the thing. And I'm like, there are so many people like me out there. I just have to find them. You know, and so I think it started happening slowly that, you know, we started connecting. But um, yeah, it, it's a trip and it's wild to look back and to hear you say that, like to hear you say, yeah, there was only a couple of you like in New York doing this thing. And it's like, I think we were there. It's just like there wasn't really that scene. There really wasn't at the beginning that community, for example, that there is now. Right. You know, there wasn't, it there, wasn't a while. there wasn't synergy. No. Uh, I mean, everyone I, I, was out in the wilderness doing their thing. Sorry. When you guys connected, no, no, no. When you guys connected, that's when like, I was like, oh, there's a thing and Remesla happened. Like it just like, there was a, it was a moment, mm -hmm. you know? And like New York is a very complicated uh, city for Latin music because there are so many different communities there and everybody's in their own corner. Like, yeah. you know, just like, well, the Mexicans are playing in Corona or maybe in Sunset Park, you know, the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans are uptown, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like, so like when you're trying to like do the indie, it, indie space like you're mostly playing for white folk there's just the team exactly you know and then so like a lot of these other folk who like might have heard of your band or, or of your project are like well i don't want to go hang out with white folk uh, uh -huh. but then but then you're not necessarily welcome in uptown or in some you know it's just like exactly <sighs> it was <I'm>... like <laughs> it was a time it was a time i remember going to tour in spain for the first time and that was the first oh, time that i played to an audience that could understand every single song that I sang in Spanish and I was like yo like it was such a because mm -hmm. I was like in all of the other shows like I was playing to all to like white folks you know that didn't understand like what I was saying you know but like then I'm like oh okay and then slowly that started to happen I don't know and now it's easier to look back and see what was happening at that time it was just like what is this you know yeah. like and uh, Roberto, Elado Negro, Ella Minus, and me, we played a show together, you know, like one of my, like one of my big shows in, in New York at Mercury Lounge. And now when I think back about that bill, I'm like, yo, I can't believe we played that show. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a different perspective looking back. No, it's, I mean, it it's really great. And like what you're saying like about like when you went to Spain, that's, I, I, so currently there's a whole Puerto Rican series airing on Song Mess. And like, I, I, was trying to, I like, I was kind of screaming from the hilltops. I'm like, 
I get it. You guys keep going to the U.S. because that's where there's money and there's a diaspora. But half the time, people don't understand what you guys are singing about. I'm like, why don't you fucking come to Mexico? You know, right. like, <laughs> you know, it's just like I, you're not about to be millionaires, but like the, this is where the audience is, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, this band Epilogio, uh, that that interview already aired, dear listeners, Um they like came here and they were here for like six months. They were writing songs with like Esteban and Coetes and like uh, Mauro Samaniego from Ecuador. Like, the, you know, they've been having a minute. Like, um, so it's just like, it, it is different. Like I, people ask me like, why did you move to Mexico city? And I'm like, well, because this is where I feel supported. This is where like mm, people that are doing that is so real people that are doing and listening and, and, do, interested in the things that I'm interested, this is where they are, or this is where they come to. This is like the work comes to me at this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I will say that there have been many of us tweeting, when is normal going to bring Senia Rubinos down to Mexico? Let's go. It's like, I had some, some dates uh, booked in Mexico. And then the anchor date that I had was like canceled because of a protest at the university in Guadalajara. And like, oh, crazy. we didn't, we had to like, that was, this was years ago and we could go but like i would love to you know it's yeah. about having the support the community the infrastructure to like financially go exactly know? financially it's 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 a thing and you know but i'm not i'm, I'm like i'm not gonna be like because like i know it's expensive <laughs> this thing i know it's expensive <laughs> um, so we're about to take uh, a musical break uh but before we do i just i i have a follow-up question about we were talking about this you know this whole new york scene and it being very lonely um and and i'm i'm curious uh so, for example, like I remember Hope Sandoval talking about how like she never wanted to really talk about her being a Latina uh, in in press or whatever because she didn't want Mazzy Star to get like woof, like uh, pigeonholed basically. And I think Roberto has also talked about that uh, a bit about like Elado Negro, just like trying to sort of like not fall into this uh, box. And I, so like you, you already talked about your experience, but with uh, Una Rosa, you kind of threw all that to the wind and fully like embraced your roots, embraced these sonoridades, um, you know, uh, bomba and like plenas and, you know, like rumba. And uh, again, mixed with all of the jazz and the soul and even these like crazy synths. Um, what was the process of sort of, uh, let's say, re-embracing these sounds these roots I, I don't because i don't you don't strike me as a type who's ever been like ashamed of where she comes from or anything but like maybe it wasn't as prominent a feature in the music in, in at, at least the way that it is now um mm-hmm. so what, what was what was that process of being like you know what fuck it we're gonna add all this muchísimo. i suffered um in the process of as one does of growing up you know, um, I suffered and it was really, I remember feeling like, wow, I just spent, I just spent like years pushing back so hard about being, not about saying I'm not a Latina because I would s- scream it from the rooftops because my abuela was in my music video. Like I was um, very like, you know, I was like, this is where I'm from. This is my abuela, Puerto Riqueña. Like I'm singing Pani Cafe. I'm singing, you know, my songs, but I think I was, I was really, you know, serious about getting the same opportunities as, as everybody else. And I felt that a lot of times because I was Latina, that became the narrative that just, like you said, that a lot of times in describing music, 
it's almost more about the identity of the person making it than the music itself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was really frustrating to me because there was in that moment that we were talking about years ago, there was not, there were not these spaces um, for, for me, you know, there weren't these spaces and it was, it was very niche. It was very small. And I was like, my music deserves to be heard by a lot of people. And so that was that pushback. So then what happens when I start to be become, you know, to sing boleros and to like really naturally like follow a curiosity that was happening for me at that moment, which was maybe I lost my father. Um, and maybe after losing him, I, you know, part of the process of him passing away was that I was singing to him to try to reanimate him. He had a stroke and I, and I spent every day that month that he lived until he passed away singing to him. And I would sing like show tunes that he liked. I would sing boleros. I would sing anything that I could. And I was just, anytime that I wasn't doing logistics or taking care of him, I would be singing to him to try to see if like that could activate him. And after that, that time, um, my voice changed and I changed, you know, and I Mm -hmm. had a whole, I had a record that was already written, which is Black Terry Cat. Um, And I went and I recorded it and I released it. I toured, I did that, but I never stopped to grieve. And after the Black Terry Cat cycle, I accomplished a lot of my dreams. I got to play NPR's Tiny Desk. I got to do my first headline tour in Europe and in the US. I got to play a lot of venues that I dreamed about. I got a lot of press that I had always dreamed about. Um, but one thing that I didn't do was take care of myself. And I think the grief started manifesting in different ways. Um, and I really see that like this kind of obsession about the Cuban ballet and these boleros mm-hmm. and these old jams, I think was also like, that grief coming out in different ways right so I was like just so free mucho in momento when I thought when I felt like the, the thing that I was curious about was something I couldn't do because I was like Pérate, how am I going to make this album that is like my exploration of my interpretation of some of these traditions la, la, la viva que se corta las venas mm-hmm. um, la rumba you know that that I'm so curious about but I don't really know how it's made like you know how do I like Indiana like how do I make my interpretation of this music after I spent all these years saying don't you better not call me Latin music like how do I come out and be like yo this is my like <laughs> version of that you know yeah. so I, yo lo sufrí because I felt like wow but you know I, I've been here asserting myself like don't call me Latin music and then I'm gonna be out here being like but this is the best Latin album of the year like you know like yeah I was like how am I gonna do that so really I let go I let go of a lot of that and time did its thing and um it was a process to get back to to just being in a moment of joy making music you know and yeah. not overthinking it I felt like a lot of pressure I think because of the small I mean it's small success indie success of Black Terry Cat of my second album but I felt I felt the pressure too of yeah. to make something great of it and you know but then life happened you know life happened and I think that it humbled me um, the years and the things that I lived through really humbled me and just brought me back to a place that was all about what I talked about at the beginning of our conversation, which is the spirituality, the spiritual practice of why I make this, why, why do I sing, why I make music? And it's like, I don't really know. I can't really tell you, but I just have to do it, you know? So I don't know if that, that's a squirrely answer to your question. It, it does. It absolutely does. And I think that's why it's so important I, as like, I think that's one of the best things uh, now that I'm making music. I, I still put it in air quotes because uh, I don't feel. <laughs> You're doing it. Stop, I know, stop whatever. undercutting yourself. You're doing I, it. It takes. I need to. I need to like live in it for a minute before I before I can fully be like yeah. But the point You're is like it. don't second guess yourself. You're doing it. it. Once you're doing it, you're a musician. Basta, but that's it. it. Punto. it true. Ugh, but like I think so that's okay. what, what why it's always important to know where you started 
so that you can always look back to it and be like, look how far we've come. So like, even that, like that first EP that you released that you were like, you know, like it's like, it, it's good. You know, it's like, well, this is where I started. And then, you know, with Black Terry Cat and, and Magic Tricks, this is the context in which you lived. And now, you know, Una Rosa, it's, you know, you're in a different place. And so like, mm-hmm. it's always wonderful, I think. And, and me on this other end of, as like a journalist documenting this kind of stuff, it's really fascinating to see that arc. That's what I want to see. I want like, fans always want you know the the artist to always be the artist from that one album where they fell in love and it's just like i on the other hand i i am surrounded by artists so like i want to see that growth i want to see that change i want to see that evolution because we're people we all you know grow and change so like to see that evolution i think is wonderful um and i think this is a perfect time to ha- take a musical break um you know with i think these are two artists who have sort of struggled with the is it latin music is it not um you know like where do we fall into all these spaces so i think it's, they're very appropriate to play next uh, i want to listen to freddie king by kelman duran uh tell me about kelman and tell me about this song so kelman duran is from is uh a dominican producer music maker artist um who lived a long time in New York. I think he might have grown up in New York, born mm. in DR, moved to LA, maybe he's in Europe now. Um, and Probably, honestly, honestly. Uh, I just, I find his work so inspiring. I almost exclusively listened to him for a period okay. of time. It was like, I was heavy and like, you know, there, I don't know if you go through this, but there are periods where it's just like, I'm only listening to that record. Like mm-hmm. that is my, re- you know, like I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's what it is. So I really, you know, was fascinated by his, sound palette his world is very atmospheric it's dark it's ambient but then he was sampling like i I talked about a track of his earlier the sampling osuna was like flipping all of this like i don't know it was kind of like darky reggaeton like do like doom reggaeton is what it was sounding like for me okay um and this is coming from someone reggaeton is not not music that i grew up listening to it's not like it's a i'm new i'm new to it so you know, in the last, I don't know, t- five, 10 years is like when I've really been like, okay, that's more in my ear, it's more in my palate. Um, so for me, I was like, what is this? Like, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it's almost like Art Bay reggaeton in a way. Like, okay. that's, that's uh-huh. how I see, that's how I see <laughs> his work, you know? And it's like, I, so I went to see him play in New York um, at this tiny club and it was just, just like I went by myself. I was like, I'm going by myself. I'm just going to like be in my zone and just dance and like be in the dark and like do this thing. And it was like everything and more that I wanted. It's Word. just like, it's very much body music. I feel mm-hmm. it's very, it's very body music. So this track is um, off of a recent record. He's a super prolific uh, producer. He just released um, like all, like an archive of 25 albums that he made over the last like 10 years. And this, this record is like one of his, uh, recent but I wouldn't be surprised if like he probably has three more records that came out after this This came out last yeah. year um and I love this track it's in my pre-show music um okay. it's my walk it's on my it's like my walk on music that I play hey. before I go on on onto the stage it starts in a very atmospheric kind of like minimal way and then it goes into this really beautiful sample of percussion um he really brings in like all different sounds from the African diaspora um and it's like live like live percussion live drum sample um with like electronics layered on it oof amazing well let's mm-hmm. listen to that now again this is Kel Manduran the track is called Freddie King uh and we'll be right back with more Senia Rubinos <laughs> Thank you. 
Song Mess, un show de música emergente latinoamericana donde mezclamos entrevistas con los sonidos más frescos del underground. Su anfitrión, Richard Villegas, es un periodista musical contribuyendo a publicaciones como Remezcla, Rolling Stone y Bandcamp. Y con Song Mess, las conversaciones toman un giro más casual y personal, revelando el mundo interior de cada invitado. Song Mess está disponible en todas las plataformas digitales. Escúchalo martes 9 pm y jueves 9 am por Nova Hits Radio. Song Mess.
All right, and we're back. Uh, the second track that we just heard there is by Arca. It's called Luna Llena. This is off uh, one of her recent albums, one of the from the Kick series. Um, again, we got a little dark perreo going on. Uh, tell us about Arca. You know, Arca is one of those artists that recently I keep going back to. It's definitely in my in my palette of just like I will pick one song and this is one of them and then just listen to it over and over again. It'll be on repeat. And I'll like, it's, it's one of those songs that's like a good one if you've had a rough day and like you go out and you just like get in your headphones or get in your car, get wherever you're going and just like let the wind hit you and you're just like, ah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the vibe for me of this song. Um, I love, I love her production. I love how um, fearless and just no fucks given sure. um, she is. I, I think um, is brilliant. I think it can be a very thick listen. I think that, you know, I'm often drawn to things that I don't understand. Like I want to listen to, it makes me want to listen to it. I'm like, what, how did this come together? Like what, like what sound is that? Or like, where is this going? Or no entiendo, no, or I, or I could never make something like this. I think oh, I could, and I, that makes me want to listen to it. You know, it's yeah. like, Ooh, what is it? You know, Como que no es algo que yo hago. Yo quiero, quiero escucharlo, quiero estar adentro. But what I really feel from, from Arca's work es que es un mundo es un mundo y me atrae mucho lo agresivo, como yeah. que me atrae, me, me atrae mucho, like, the, the, the aggressive synths, the heavy beats, like, the, the cutting vocals, um, the persona mm -hmm. of Arca is just so beautiful, the visual art, um, I've never gotten to see her live, I hope I get to see her. I saw uh, her recently. It's oh. it, it is uh like like her music, uh, her her live performances defy expectations. Okay. Uh, because she barely plays any arca. She doesn't wow. really she doesn't really play her music. It's it's mm. a strange DJ set because it's like it it is a DJ set but run through the arca filter. So mm -hmm. like she'll like add these insane drums to like an Olga Tañón song wow. or like, you know, play Proyecto Uno, but like she'll slow it down and then she'll get on top of like the, the, the mixer and like start playing a, a guida and you're like, huh? So like, <laughs> so I, I like that because I like to be fucked with, but like, you know, the, the, the basics who are like, play racata, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. when she doesn't, then they get mad, which mm. I, find it I find it really amusing. It's just like, I was here, I saw her here recently and like all the gays were like, yeah, Prada. And they're like, but where is it? You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, no. I was hilarious. I, I live, I, I mean, it. I love an artist that trolls the audience. Um, I, I have it. a, I have a, so we're almost done with this uh, fabulous interview and thank you, Senia, for taking the time. And, you know, I know we're running a little bit long. I hope that's not eating I'm into your I'm such day. a fan. Okay. Are you kidding me? I'm like so nervous because I, I was listening to your Boricua series recently and I was like, oh my gosh, I would be so honored to be interviewed with you, but I was also like, I would also be totally fine if I never got interviewed because no. I, because I listen because I listen to it so much that then it becomes like, like a thing, you know, like when yeah. you did your intro today, I was like, Oh my God, like, damn, <laughs> like it's, it's really happening. He's doing this intro. He's here. Like, yeah, I just, I really enjoy it. You've been on the wish list show. for a long time. The thing is that like, I now have such a bulk of, I hate the word content, but I have You're such a bulk of- busy and blessed, honey. This thing, uh, dear okay. listeners, we have fully planned this shit out through 2023, like into wow. 2024. So, um, but we do have a, a couple of, of more- things that I need to get into with you. First of all, you're going on tour, Miss Thing. 
Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. When are you going on tour? And we'll release this shortly before that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going on tour at the end of October, beginning of November okay. um, to the West Coast, hopefully. I mean, you know, you never know. Between now and then, who knows what could happen, right? But Here. como que... If, if this years have taught me anything is like anything can happen so you plan things and who knows but Monkey my intention is right <laughs> who knows apocalypse um yeah. we made a new show that's like unlike anything i've ever done before that's uh i collaborated with a, a director yara travieso she's venezuelan okay. and cuban and a fellow leo leona and uh we made this show that is really I don't know, it feels like a cross between a play and a music show, you know? So there's like choreo, there's costumes that were um, designed by a Casey Caldwell who did Drag Race. Wow. For Drag Race. Um, and it's just been so beautiful to be able to think about incorporating movement and character and staging and you know, like what is my motivation for this moment and yeah. like all of this kind of you know work that I have never done that I've always wanted to do so um that's the new show for for Una Rosa uh, and I'm so so excited I just had my first couple shows back in years um oh my god and it was you know it was all an experiment I was like very open to the possibility that I wouldn't want to continue doing this after this record I was like maybe this record is it like maybe I'm good like but honestly like when I got and also the same was true for stage I was like I'm trying something new that I'm curious about I just approached it the same way that I did with music and I was like I'm just going in I'm I want to know about staging I want to know about choreo so Yada you know she directs operas and and um that's kind of her where she's coming from and her background she's also a, a choreographer so like I just had a blast like being in that world that's so new to me and just learning. And when I got on stage, I was like, oh, this is my shit. I'm like, this is, I I had a a really dramatic show in New York where our sound went out and I I had to sing a cappella for like 30 minutes. And I tell you, like, it was a gift where I was like, oh, I remembered that that's what I do. I was like, it was such a moment where I'm like, I know exactly what to do right now. I feel in mi salsa completamente. I'm in my space. Like, this is where I need to be. And I had the thought that any moment that I'm not doing this performing is like a moment wasted. Like, I just, I really felt that. So I'm trying to cherish that revelation and be like, okay, I think I, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and I want to continue to do this. So I'm so excited to keep um, having opportunities to play this show. Um, it's super special to me. And uh, yeah, and I can't wait to share it. I love that you're approaching it from this like theatrical point of view. And I think that leads into uh, my next question. Um, so you recently, um, I'm not sure what the project was, but you were working with like the Philadelphia Orchestra or Philharmonic? Yeah. Well, I, I worked, um, it, it was an experimental orchestra. It was a 50 person orchestra um, and it was called Rehearsing Philadelphia. And it's this project that was brought in, I was co- um, commissioned to compose for them. And basically it was, the idea is that an orchestra should be kind of like a public resource, like a library that it should mm-hmm. be for the people so that every city should have their orchestra and that it shouldn't be about necessarily you know, people who are uh, prolific composers or prolific um, musicians. It could be people from anywhere. So they brought together 50 
musicians that had never played together before from all different um, traditions. There was a, a Aztec drummer. There was a Native American uh, musician who played the nose flute. There was a drum set. There was a DJ. There was um, harpists. There were, uh, you know, people who are uh, prodigious, like, you know, string players that are that are conservatory people. So all these different people together and then um, picked a couple composers and I was one of them to write music for this group. Uh, and I was joined by uh, Marshall Allen from Sun Ra Orchestra um, as well, who's like such an incredible uh, artist and so inspiring. Uh, so yeah, I, I had never done anything quite like this before. I also haven't written for a group that's that large in a, quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, and we only have three rehearsals. Um, and not everyone reads music, not everyone um, okay. speaks English. Um, so it okay. was a very, it was like such an experiment, but I had such a blast. Um, and I wrote 10 minutes of music um, and we wrote it together, really. Like I started, I came in with a premise and I got to meet these incredible musicians and was so inspired by them and um, I just had a blast. And then we got to perform it uh, for three nights in, in Philly. Okay, so you did yeah. get to present it. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love that there's starting to be this intersection of sort of like, I don't want to say traditional, but like maybe like more like in the rock world, like traditional pop music type of thing, like artists with like, you know, proper composition backgrounds who are now interfacing with these sort of more classical mm-hmm. ensembles or orchestras like Lido uh, and the and the ballet uh, in, in New York uh, last year was also really cool and really special. I hope and like this, this sounds really great. And I love that even like, again, even throwing around the word traditional is so wrong because as you mentioned, there's like harpists and like a news flute and, and mm-hmm. a DJ, you know, it's just, but it's like, I love this idea of like orchestras interfacing with like more individual or solo artists and like being able to like create these sort of avant-garde, these, these mm-hmm. visionary uh, works. I think that's really cool. I think it's really special. And I certainly hope uh, it's a trend that continues. Um, we are almost at the end of the show um, and we are closing out with one of the more powerful songs on, uh, on Una Rosa, because uh, you have a lot of like really sort of like major, like to the heart songs. I was almost actually a little surprised to not see who shot you. Um, but we're going to, we're going to close with Sacude, but like, I guess to preface it, I don't really talk to artists that are based in the U S uh, very often anymore. I mean, the, the show has really focused on Latin America, um, so my question is, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> wow, no. I like how you left that for the end. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't like ending on that note necessarily, what but the like... What fuck is going on? You know, but I don't bit, know. You know, it just kind of, it just kind of prefaces it a bit, uh-huh. I think. To be completely honest with you, I don't know yeah. what the answer to that question is. Uh, a lot of fuckery is happening. Yeah. A lot of fuckery is happening. You know, it's... It's nothing new, um, in a in a sense. Like I think, of course, you know, politically the temperature was hot because of the last administration. But honestly, like if anything shows us, you know, this administration, like having a, d- a democratic, you know, president in office, it's not really. It doesn't really. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the screen has been pulled back. If, yeah. if anything, and we're like, oh, okay, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, Roe v. Wade was just, um, struck down. I, oh shit. I had a dream last night about it. 
Oh my I god. I had a dream that someone called me and told me that it was revert that the decision was reversed. Oh, that was and a, that Roe v. Uh, Wade was like reinstituted. Oh, that was a Maybe nice dream. Maybe that's gonna happen. Maybe that's <laughs> gonna happen. That whoa, I never dream stuff. That's very unusual. I need to write that down. I never dream stuff like that. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Yeah, so that just happened uh last week, I think. Um, yeah. so you know, left and right, the Supreme Court is like, you know, disarming our rights and um and arming yeah. fools essentially yeah i don't know i don't you know people often ask me about political topics and they say that like, i'm a like a political artist or like per, like my music is like protest music just because i made mm-hmm. some songs that tell a truth or whatever but right i don't really <laughs> i really know that I, way i you know i i, I feel my authority is to, to speak on music mostly i i do feel you know, that I just tell what I see, you know, and yeah. honestly, right now it it is, I don't want to say, because sometimes when I'm like, it's such a hard time right now in this country, I'm like, but wasn't it always a hard time? Like, wasn't it always like bad, mm-hmm. you know, but everyone's like, no, but it's really bad. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, think, but- I think your music does a really great job of holding a mirror up, I think, of like, in a way, calling out hypocrisy. So like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite of your songs is Mexican Chef. Uh, and I remember like, uh, you know, I, I, I actually like shout out to Isabella Herrera. Mm. We were like having a little kiki once about, like it was like about the end of year stuff. And like I was like the fact that Mexican chef was not number one on this list, you know, mm. girl, but whatever. Different <laughs> folks, different, <laughs> you know, different strokes, different yeah. folks. But, um, you know, um, you know, but like I think that did such a great job of like sort of like what you to, well, since we've been talking about drag, uh, what you see isn't always the truth. You know, it's just like, you know, you're at a, you're, you're at an Italian restaurant, yeah. you're at an Italian restaurant, but there's a Dominican chef, you know, it's just mm. like, um, so yeah, I think, so again, like, I think, I think your music, uh, does a really great job of sort of maybe like metabolizing these frustrations, mm. um, uh, like uh, working all the time. I mean, like, you know, like who shot you, you know, uh, for the listeners at home, uh, I mean, I, I don't I think I don't think it's very much up for interpretation. I think this has to do with the murder of Brianna Taylor, mm-hmm. um, you know, working all the time, I think is like it, it's it's sort of like kind of a, a sublime uh, talk. I mean, it's talking about fucking like grind culture and like, mm-hmm. you know, capitalism is fucking killing us. And, you yeah. know, just like it's it's a, it's trust and belief. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that in my skin. And so Sakule, <laughs> let's let's pivot into Sakule. Um, I'm not sure. I, I feel like it's more existential, maybe. Sakura, it's really, you know, a battle with depression, honestly, okay. which, you know, I think it's so super relevant to living in this country right now, for sure. And, and just feeling like kind of a fog and feeling like it's, it's mm-hmm. relent, like the bad news is relentless. And like, whew, we make like that, we make a win and like you think that there's progress because we have safe spaces and inclusive communities and we're talking about all of these things. But then when you go, I don't know, when I go and I book, uh, I was trying to book openers for this last tour that I did. And I was asking the venues like, hey, can I have like POC, non-binary, like folks, you know, as openers who, you know, and they're like, oh, we know one person and they're not available that day. And I'm just like, I cannot like, (laughs) and, you know, I already knew that that was going to be the case. Right. But um, you know, I have friends who are like, no, but I'll say, yeah, it's now we're in 2022. You'll see, it's not going to be like that. I'm like, well, it is. Um, so, you know, we make, w- exactly. We make some wins and then it feels like the, 
the losses sometimes outweigh the wins. But um, so yeah, Sakude was really about shaking out of depression. It was just like a true story. And like I wrote that first intro part before I even knew what the song was about. And it's really like, uh, I try to hear you, Nancy, but you're killing me. Nancy is like my negative Nancy, my negative Nancy voice. That's like, <laughs> ah, as I said, you're not going to get out of this. And I'm just like, yeah. ah, you're killing me. I'm trying to get out of this, you know, like you're bringing me down. And it's about kind of just trying to shake out of it, you know, in the best way that you can. Um, and like, un despojo, like the, the, the song is un despojo. It's like to, to take out the, the kind of the evils or the, the devil that has come to get you that's behind the door, you know? So that's kind of the, the message of that track. And musically, I was super inspired by Rita Indiana, El Guidero. Okay. And this, this song is like my tribute to her in many ways, like mm. in, in her work. Um, and, and what I feel that she did is like innovating and translating so much like, like musica muy rica that like we feel in like in our stomach and in our soul, but she flipped it, you know, yeah. it was like remix. And it's like, this is what it is now. <laughs> no, like, and so to me, that was, that was, she was super inspirational, um, also was listening a lot to Ife. I'm a huge fan of Ife and um, like the, the, the artistry of, of uh, you know, that world and electronic rumba. And I don't, I don't, I never studied rumba. I don't know, you know, like the ins and outs of it. So it was really just like musically my translation of the rhythms and like kind of a remix, like me just like flipping it. Um, Look, we do, we do our best. And whenever we don't know, we ask and, you know, that's yeah. where we get places and, you know, I'm so thrilled to have uh, had this conversation with you. Uh, dear listeners at home, you may you may not have necessarily noticed, but girl, the, my electricity <laughs> went out twice. Uh, because it's Latin because America we're doing brujeria. It's because we're oh, doing brujeria here. I know y'all praying for my downfall, but not on this day, Chad. Um, but um, <laughs> Senia, I would love it if you could tell our listeners where they can uh, follow you on social media, where they can listen to your music, if they can purchase it all the better, because what we put money in artists' pockets, uh, let us know. What's up? Yeah, you can listen and follow me on social. Senia Rubinos is my tag on, on um, Instagram and I'm on Twitter talking shit sometimes and loving up on people most of the time. <laughs> and you can find my music and stream it wherever, um, Bandcamp. You can order records straight from me. I sign them Bandcamp. and I mail them to you. Um, so that's it. Wait, if I, have any, if I have anybody coming from New York, I might actually be like, okay, I'm gonna need this vinyl. I no, know. Let me know. I, I, I have, I have magic tricks and I have black terry cat and I need oh, to completar. No, yeah. completar. And you, um, you signed, you signed both for them for me. like, at like at a show. I that just, is I so like, crazy. That is um, so crazy. I'm so grateful have... for the work that you do, by the way. And I love that you are focusing on artists that are not in the U S actually. And I feel, you know, I'm like, I'm happy. I'm so happy that I got to talk to you, but I'm also like, I don't want to take up space. Like I, just, I, wanna, I really, when I listen to the show, I really feel like I'm learning about scenes that I wouldn't know about, you know, like, yeah. I, like I listened to the Mima episode from the Boricua series. And I, and I found out about Baya Monster, like this band that I love and I wouldn't have oh, found yeah. out about it. I wouldn't have known, you know, and a lot of times I'm just so inspired to listen to different artists talking about their scenes. And, you know, some of the artists, like, some artists that I haven't heard of, some artists who are super, you know, like well-known and like, you know, blowing up and stuff, but I love the, the variety of it. And I just find it super important and like so comforting and like, 
I don't know. It's gorgeous. I love, I love the show. I love the the mission. So grateful, it's, grateful it's about, for what you're doing. Thank you. No, it's, it's, a, it's about trying to give everybody a, a chance, you know, bad bunny is great, but he's not the only one out there. Thank uh, you. Millionaires already got their millions. Give somebody else a chance. Um, and a so, super music nerd. Me encanta. Yeah, I, music. I love it. <laughs> I'm into I, it. We're doing our best. And, and again, to the listeners at home, thank you for your patience. Cause I know these series be long, but like, you know, at this point, this is archival work. Um, um, Senya, thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, dear listeners, everything will be linked in the show notes. You already know where to follow us. Everything at Songmess, same on your favorite streaming platforms. It's just Songmess. Um, we have one more song. It's called Sacuda. This is by Senya Rubinos, obviously off the album Una Rosa, which is out everywhere. Go listen, shop it, own it, purchase it. You need it. It's so fucking good. Um, and I think that's that. So again, my name is Richard Villegas. This is Song Mess. My guest is Senia Rubinos. The song is Sacude by Senia Rubinos. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you all next time. Ciao! Bye! Shoulders